Are you ready to get into the word family? Okay, say this after me. Can we have the lights on, please, Ashes? Thank you. So this, I declare that my spiritual ears are open. My heart is receptive to receive. Only that which you, Holy Spirit, are saying to me today. Father, I thank you for this wonderful opportunity that I have in delivering your word. Father, this is your word, not my own. I know where I was when I met you. I was nothing. I can do nothing apart from you. Spirit of the living God, glorify yourself in and through me today. In Jesus' name, speak to your children, according to Matthew 10, verse 20. In Jesus' name, I bind all pride, self-agenda. Jesus' name, Spirit of Jesus, glorify yourself. So family, we are in extraordinary times. We are in a time where we are facing extraordinary events. Even our society and our culture is extraordinary. Many of us are facing challenges and pressures and opposition in life. That is extraordinary. Amen? We cannot think that during this time that we are going to survive and thrive if we are not functioning in an extraordinary kind of faith. Amen? Now more than ever, family, now more than ever, the body of Christ has to rise. Amen? She has to shine. And I'm telling you that there is a wave coming. You see that? There is a wave coming. The Lord has confirmed this already through the last few messages, the prophetic message. There is a wave that is coming and it's not COVID. It's a glory wave. It's a wave of God's glory where he is going to cause his church of Jesus Christ to rise, to shine bright because he's coming back for a glorious church. Not a beat down, busted and disgusted church. Amen. Make no mistake. This is the church's greatest hour. Just like you have surfers who are sitting on the back line, sitting on their boards, relaxing, and they see this swell coming in the distance. And they can see that there's a, there's a wave that's coming. And straight away, if these surfers want to catch and ride this wave, they readjust their positioning. They change their direction. And they begin to put all their focus and all their effort into catching this wave. Those who are not ready, those who started too late, those who did not put in the effort miss the wave. But it's only those few who catch this wave. And so family, today I am telling you, by the Spirit of the Lord, unless you are positioned, unless you are pointed in the right direction, unless you are focused, unless you are going to do what you need to do, you're going to watch as the others catch the wave and many will sink. 
So how do we ride this glory wave? How do we ride the waves of the storms and the troubles of life? We do that through faith. But unfortunately, many Christians today don't know what faith is. And that's a really big problem. They think faith is hope. They don't know what faith is. And so we're going to start this series and we're going to start training you and preparing you to catch the wave, family. If the Holy Spirit brings prophetic messages, He's pointing you in a direction, He's telling you what's coming, but you need to be equipped, amen, to catch the wave. Scripture says, John 1 verse 1 in the New King James Version, our first scripture of of the day. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Say this. Say the Word is God. Say this. You cannot separate God and His Word. They are one. John 1 verse 14, New King James Version, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Say this. Say Jesus Christ is the living Word. When you are growing in the knowledge of the Word of God, when you are spending time in the Word of God, then you are growing in knowing Jesus Christ because He is the Word. As you build a relationship with the Word of God, you are building a relationship with Jesus. The proportional value at which you know and have revelation knowledge of the Word of God, Bible Scriptures, determines the depth of your relationship with Jesus. So if Jesus is the Word of God and if We want to know Christ. We need to know the Word. How does your relationship look at the moment? Do you know about the Word? Do you know about Jesus? Or are you a stranger to Him? Are you a stranger to the Word? Do you have a casual relationship with Jesus, or do you know Him, knowing Him personally, knowing Him intimately, because that is the absolute key as a Christian. Family, He is coming back for His bride, His fiancée. Not a casual acquaintance. Amen? Not a 50-50 relationship. 
How many of you would marry someone who's like on the fence? I don't know if I kind of want you or you're, I'm like not sure. Amen? How many would you marry uh, your fiance if she's kind of like lukewarm, if she's not like on fire for the relationship? How many would, would commit to a marriage and commit to a relationship to someone that is not keeping pure and ready and in relationship for you and that doesn't know you? Amen? You know how they do those couples quizzes where they separate this, what is their favorite color? Where were they born? What is the name of the cousin? How would you do if your relationship with Christ was tested in that way? How much do you know about your bridegroom? He knows everything about you. How much do you know Jesus? Relationship is the most important aspect of your Christian walk. It is the most important aspect for you to live victoriously in this life and it is the most important aspect for you to qualify for eternity. Many people want to do things for God. They feel that's going to please God if, if, they, if they can just do enough for Him and, and do these things for Him. But unless it's birthed from relationship with Christ, it's meaningless. He's not interested in what you can do for Him. He's interested in what can He do through you as someone that is totally surrendered and submitted to God. John 6, verse 28 in the Amplified. I love this scripture. Here the, the people saw Jesus performing miracles. And they came to him and literally said, oh, Jesus, what is my purpose in life? What is it that I must do that, that, that habitually, that every day? What am I... I want to serve you, Jesus. I want to make you happy. Tell me what work must I do? Where must I go? What must I do? What is the works that I must do? And they say that, what are we to do that we may habitually be working the works of God? What are we to do to carry out what God requires? Wouldn't you love to ask Jesus that question? And he replies, he said, this is the work. This is the service that God asks of you. That you believe in Him. That you cleave to Him. That you trust in Him. That you rely on Him and that you have faith in Him. So our work, our service, our purpose in life is relationship with Christ. It's to completely believe in Him. Completely to trust Him. Completely to rely on Him. Completely to depend upon Him. And that word cleave means to stick as closely as glue, where two become one. Now, why wouldn't it be? Why wouldn't he want this? Because he made you for himself. He made you to be his family. He made you to be his sons and his daughters who he can love and who can love him back. 
Colossians 1 verse 16 in the New King James Version. All things were created by Him and for Him. He created you for Himself. He made you especially for Him. And He longs more than anything else to have a relationship with you. Close your eyes for a minute. I want you to really get this revelation. Now let this resound in your heart and say this after me. Say this. Say, I was made by Jesus for Jesus. He wanted me. He wanted to make me especially for him. I am special to Jesus Christ. The fact that I am alive is proof that he wants me. It's proof that he loves me. It proves that I am worthy. It proves that he accepts me. I belong completely to Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? That really blessed my heart, family. Family, because Jesus Christ is the Word, when that scripture was saying that we must cleave to, believe, trust, rely and have faith in Christ. This means we must believe, trust, have faith in, cleave to the word of God. Scripture says in Ephesians 6 verse 10 in the NRV, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Now you can rephrase that to say be strong in the word of God and in its mighty power. You see family, it's the absolute trust, the absolute reliance, the absolute belief in the word of God which gives us the victories in life. Not our own strength, family. Our strength in the word and the word's power. Amen? How many of you have heard people say that God's going to work it out. They're going through troubles. I've said that many times. Or well, I'm depending upon God's grace. But that's where it starts and stops. And the fact is that that is a half-truth. The fact is that the people are making a statement, but it's not going to come into reality because the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Thank you. And many people preach it from the pulpit. They'll give these really arousing uh, preachers, God's got this, God's going to work this out. Uh, uh, he's going to work it all out. Uh, everything is fine. But they never actually teach you 
how to function in the grace of God and they're just deceiving you. James 1 verse 22 in the New King James says this, Be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. When they're just telling you the word, telling you scriptures, giving you phrases, but not actually teaching you how to do the word, and you go there and you come out on an emotional high, but never actually grow, they are deceiving you. Amen? You see, the thing is, everything we receive from God is accessed through faith, even grace. People have got a misconception of grace. The proportion in which you know Christ and know the word is the proportion of your grace. 2 Peter 1 verse 2. May grace and peace be multiplied to you, how? In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So grace will come and grace will be multiplied by the knowledge of the word of God. Family, grace is a free gift. It's available to everyone, but it is conditional. Jesus Christ already paid the sin for all mankind. He died on a cross, ransomed every person in this world with his very own life. So everybody has technically got access to heaven. But how many of you know that that doesn't happen automatically? Amen? But it's Christ's will that everybody should come to repentance. It's his will that everybody should come to repentance. And we saw that last week in 2 Peter 3 verse 9. In the New Living Translation. The Lord isn't slow about bringing His promise, as some people think. He has been patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. It's His will for everyone to be saved. And He gave everything for that. Now, I want you to consider what this gift of eternal life for us actually cost Him. I want you to consider the value of the gift. We have Jesus Christ who created all things, humbled himself from heaven, stripped himself of all his power to become a fragile seed in the womb of a woman. We read about this in Philippians 2 verse 7. Christ, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So Jesus came to this earth to sacrifice himself on behalf of you and me. Scripture says, Philippians 2, sorry, Matthew 12, verse 40, the New King James Version. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so the Son of Man 
be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth in hell. So not only did Jesus Christ sacrifice his life, he went to hell for three days and three nights. All to rescue us. And this gift of salvation can only be received by faith. This gift of the ultimate price of grace can only be received through faith. Ephesians 2 verse 8 in the NIV. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Amen? Do you see that? If God could make it any simpler for people to receive this gift of grace, he would. I mean, think about it. If you had family that you didn't, they, they didn't know you, a family of, let's say, six people, and they were really ill, and you, out of an expression of love, decided that you would sacrifice your life for them. Maybe they needed organs, organ transplants, kidney, liver, lung, what have you. And you would go and purposely give your life for these people. You would sacrifice your body. You would give all of this so that they could live. Would you make it hard for them to receive your organs? Would you say to the doctors, doctors, I'm, going to, I'm, going to, I'm giving my life for these people. My heart goes there. My lungs go there. My, but listen, b b before they get this, they need to first do this uh, thick application form. They first need to do this. Would you do that? No. You would want to make it the simplest way to receive, right? Faith is the only way that we can receive from God. James 1 verse 6 in the ESV says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person who did not ask in faith should not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Say this, say faith is the only way that I can get anything from God. Family, it doesn't matter how desperate your situation is. It doesn't matter how much you cry. It doesn't matter how hard you cry. If the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the most expensive gift, can only be received through faith, then everything else can only be received by faith. So let's look at the dynamic of faith. Let's try and analyze what faith is. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things you hope for. It is the evidence of things you can't see. It's supposed to help you, but I'm just taking you deeper here. Yeah? The New Living Translation says, faith shows the reality of what we are hoping for. It is the evidence of things that you cannot see. And you might say, well, Pastor Carl, how is that possible? How is it possible that I can have actual tangible substance of something that I'm hoping for? 
How is it that I can have actual evidence of something that I cannot see? I mean, evidence is something that's admissible in a court of law. To prove that which was not seen. It's tangible. How can faith, how can you have something tangible and something that you can hold on to when you go through the storms of life? Let's see in Matthew 14, verse 23. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. While he sent the people home, sorry, after sending them home, he went up to the hills to pray by himself. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. And they were in fear and they cried out, it is a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, immediately, saying, don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called out to him, Lord, if it is really you, tell me to come to you walking on water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified. And then he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. And said, you have so little faith. He just walked on water. You have so little faith. Jesus said, why did you doubt me? You see, family, they were in the middle of the, the lake. It's about eight kilometers to the middle. They were far from land. Far from being rescued. They had the wind and the waves beating against them, and that's so indicative of the problems in life that we are facing today. And then Jesus came walking on the water. And Peter made this statement. He said, Lord, if that is really you, if you want me to do the impossible, is that really from you? And I think this is where so many of us miss it. So many of us want to run and want to do things and do things for God and we want God to follow in our wake and bless us. Who's your Lord? Jesus or you? So he said, Lord, if that is really you, because Lord, I am submitted to you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. And Jesus did and he walked on the water. If he never asked Jesus, if Jesus never said anything to him, but if he saw Jesus and he jumped out of that boat and tried to walk to Jesus, how many of you know he would have sank? 
Why? Because he was not walking on the water. He was walking on the word of God. Amen? His dependence was not, it's an impossible, you're in the middle of the lake, far from land, no light, storms raging, you're impossible, in a possible situation, and he depended not, there's nothing that he could have done, but he depended, he trusted, he believed, he relied upon, and he cleaved to that word of Jesus Christ saying, come, and he was walking on the word of God. The Word of God is the basis of your faith. Amen? So when Jesus, was, when Jesus spoke to Peter, Peter got faith based upon the promise of Christ. Amen? It was the word of Christ that was the promise that laid the platform for him to walk in this impossible situation. Because scripture says faith comes, Romans 10 verse 17 in the ESV. So faith comes from hearing through the word of Christ. So Peter heard and he believed the word of God and then faith rose in his heart. But the minute Peter took his eyes off the word of God, even though he was already performing the impossible, the minute he took his eyes off that which was giving him the ability to do this, doubt came in, fear came in, and he began to sink. Say this. Fear or doubt is an indication of a lack of faith, a lack of word knowledge. Say this. So when I am in fear or in doubt, I am out of faith. I am out of grace and I will sink. You see, family, fear is faith in the problem. And when you have faith in the problem, you give the problem access to your life. Job 3 verse 25 in the New Living Translation, what I always feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. God did not let the devil attack Job. God did not remove the hedge from Job. Satan had all the right to tempt him, to test him, like he had the right to tempt Adam and Eve, like he had the right to tempt Jesus. It was only when Job gave into the temptation Fear came in and the hedge was broken and it was Satan who attacked him. It does not fit in line with the whole context of Scripture that God would do that. 
Amen. Family, the word of God, God's promises to us in Bible scriptures is the evidence. The Bible scriptures is the substance. It is the proof that that which is written there, which is the living word of God, will come to pass because God cannot lie. The only difference is are we going to believe that word and walk on water and walk on the impossible or are we going to look at the problems in life? The word of God will never fail, family. Jesus will never fail. Jesus is the living word of God. When you obey the word of God, you are obeying the direct personality of Jesus. You are obeying the person of Jesus. When you disobey the word of God, you're not disobeying a book. You are disobeying the person of Jesus. When you believe the word of God, you are believing the person of Jesus Christ. The Bible, is, it's not, it's not a, a book that you're obeying. It is Jesus. Now consider this. If you were living in sin, maybe in an adulterous affair, drug abuse, pornography, whatever the case might be, but your flesh was dominating your, position, your, your um, decisions. And one night you were sleeping, and Jesus Christ came into your room, woke you up, and reminded you of this scripture in Matthew 18 verse 8, NIV, and said this to you, son, daughter, if your hand or foot causes you to stumble in sin, cut it off, cut it out. Throw it away. My child, it is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands and two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. If Jesus had to appear to you and say that to you, would you stop immediately? Would you cut it out? Say, yes, Lord. I will never do any of that again. Would you do that? What if you had unforgiveness or offenses towards people and you wouldn't forgive them? You might forgive but not forget. And Jesus Christ wakes you up one night while you are sleeping, sits next to your bed, looks you in the eyes and he says, child, remember the Lord's Prayer. Yes, Jesus. Matthew 6 verse 11. Remember when I said, give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we, in proportion to, we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. Verse 14, and he says to you, my child, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your Father will also forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father cannot forgive you your sins. And Jesus tells you, unless you forgive these people that you are holding on so much, I can never forgive. If Jesus had to tell you, forgive them or you will not see heaven. How many of you will say, Lord Jesus, I, listen, doesn't matter what, I forgive them. 
How many of you would do that? Amen. But now it's hard. But if Jesus had to appear to you and say, listen, Lord, I'll do it. Or what if you're struggling financially? You're struggling. You're in fear. You're in doubt. Jesus comes, wakes you up, says, my son, my daughter, sit up for a moment. Take my hands. Look me in the eyes, child. I am the living word of God. Philippians 4 verse 19, my child, I will meet all your needs, child. Mark 5 verse 36, just don't be afraid. Just believe. And 1 Peter 5 verse 7, child, cast all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, just give it to me once and for all because I love you with the deepest affection and I wouldn't ask you to give it to me if I wasn't going to take care of you. How many of you right then and there would say, Lord, listen, I will never stress again. If the Bible says he will meet your needs, Lord, listen, if I don't have it, I don't need it. Because I believe you, Jesus. I believe your word. And family, that's how we need to read the living word of God. Amen? But family, you have to take all the word of God. You can't just try and believe for certain things, but you are being disobedient. So, Lord, listen, I don't kind of agree with you about these things. I'm still going to kind of do that. But this I'll believe you for. Amen? How many of you know that you cannot do that? And so, family, as we are going to go down this road and this journey on faith... This is the greatest revelation that you need to ground yourself in your faith. It is built upon the relationship of Christ, of the Word of God. You need to ask yourselves those questions that we did today. How well do you know Him? How well does He know you? And begin to position yourself and begin to Invest in the relationship, just like, listen, if you had a friend that you never spent any time communicating with or hardly spent time with, never invested in that relationship, how many of you know that that relationship would just dwindle? Amen? Family, we are playing with eternity. Eternity. This life in this World, what we are going through now to try and wrap it around a, a, a bad example of, of something you can wrap your human brain around it. It's like one minute in your whole life. Literally. One minute in your whole life. And we need to invest a whole lot more than what we are doing and especially now in this season. Can we go to the salvation messages so family if Jesus came to you and said to you even though you're in church even though you're a Pharisee even though 
whatever you are, an elder or a leader or a pastor, comes and says to you, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Will you believe him? So many people have issues with this. I don't understand why. Believe the living word. Christ is speaking to the church. He is speaking to, to Nicodemus who represented the church, who thought if they went to church, ticked off their religious responsibilities, gave to the poor, done all of this, but had no actual relationship or rebirth experience that they would go to heaven. And he says, no. Next scripture. Romans 8 verse 16 says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. God loves you. Jesus literally went, laid himself on an operating table, no anesthetic, no painkillers, and said, I love my children so much, even though they don't know me, even so they're so messed up, cut me open, take whatever you need for them. He wants you to go to heaven. He wants you to be born again. So he himself will tell you if you are or aren't. What's the next scripture? Romans 10 verse 9. If you declare with your mouth, faith speaks. Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he is not some kind of a prophet, that he's not some kind of a good man or a righteous man. He is the son of God. You will be born again. Does that mean you'll go straight to heaven, the end of your journey? Not if you're unfaithful. Amen? Not if you carry on in life like some kind of a floozy when you're a fiancé of Christ. This is the engagement. Amen? So now everybody close your eyes. Nobody walking around. Nobody looking around. Now let's test the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And He loves you so much, child. He loves you so much. I want to ask you this question. Maybe you've gone to church. Maybe you've done courses and whatever. But have you truly been born again? You might say, well, I, I, yeah, but I, I don't really know. Well, child, if you had to die tonight, 12 o'clock, you breathe your last breath and your spirit would leave this body and go to eternity, where would you go? Are you confident? Are you looking forward to that day when you will see Jesus? Are you confident that when you see him, he will say, I knew you. I knew you. Or would you be a stranger? You see, being born again is a spiritual thing. And if you don't have that assurance in your heart, then I want to give you that opportunity to pray in a short while to receive Christ, to be born again. Or perhaps you are born again, but you just feel Christ is pulling on your heart and just saying, I want to do something else. Then that's you too.
But if you fit in any one of those categories at the count of three, I'm going to ask you to say, yes, Lord, here I am and raise your hand and so that we can pray together. Many of you might think, oh, I'm not going to raise my hand because of pride. Is it worth it? How do you know when you'll get this opportunity again? Maybe tonight you have a brain aneurysm, heart attack. Anything can happen. Eternity is your constant companion. I need to know that I am secure in Christ. So if that's you and you say, look, I don't care. Jesus, if you could lie, if you could be on a cross naked, then you know what? I can put my hand up. If that's you, the count of three, one, two, three, put up your hands. Praise Jesus. Hands going up everywhere. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. There we go. Raise your hands, family. Don't let pride hold you back. If Jesus could be naked on a cross, if he could lay himself on an, a, like an operating table and have him cut to pieces for you, the least you can do is say, yes, Lord, I respond. Praise you, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You put your hands down. Praise Jesus. Now pray this prayer with me and after me. And I want everybody to please pray this prayer. Every single person. Say, Father, today I hear you calling me. I respond. I surrender. I open my heart to you, Jesus. And I invite you in to my life Jesus Christ be my Lord Jesus Christ you are my Lord please forgive me please push the reset button wash all my sins away I am your fiancé, your bride. Now fill me with your spirit. Show me that you are real. Touch me, change me, transform me. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, you are engaged to Christ. Isn't that good news? On the tables we have pamphlets that will explain everything that just happened. In there is a new birth certificate. If it's your first time today, write it down because you are born again. Maybe you just want to grab some and give to other people and you're free to do that and family we're going to be doing our Christian growth seminar coming up soon uh, we'll be doing it at my house there's going to be limited uh, seats because this venue is just getting a little bit too expensive keep your eyes focused limited seats you're going to have to make a booking if you don't want to miss but that's our membership course and it'll bless you and put you on fire and in a trajectory towards Jesus we love you guys we're praying for you we'll see you soon God bless